It's Tuesday, June 30th, 2009. I want to thank every member of Congress who put politics aside to support this bill on Friday. Obama takes a victory lap after successful passage of climate change legislation in the House last week. But will it be short-lived? I'm Brad Friedman. Desi Doyen is off today on some important family business, so it's just me. Get used to it. This is a special climate change legislation edition of your Green News Report. Republican Congresswoman Michelle Bachman hailed it as the end of the world as we know it. The underlying bill represents the tyranny and the intervention of the federal government. What will we choose today? Will we choose liberty or will we choose tyranny? Republican Minority Leader John Boehner said it was a, quote, pile of something we can't say on the radio. Very nice, Congressman. But even the progressive Democrat Dennis Kucinich of Ohio voted against it, saying that the bill, quote, sets targets that are too weak and gives new life to one of the primary sources of the problem that should be on its way out, coal, by giving it record subsidies. Nonetheless, last Friday, in a squeaker of a legislative victory for the Obama administration, sweeping climate and energy legislation narrowly passed the lower house of Congress by a vote of 219 to 212 after months of tense negotiation and last-minute deals, culminating in a heated debate late last week on the floor of the House of Representatives. The American Clean Energy and Security Act, also known as the Waxman-Markey Bill, passed by a thin margin of just seven votes. Eight Republicans crossed the aisle to vote in favor of the measure, and 44 Democrats, mostly from coal and farm states, bucked their leadership and voted against it. The landmark legislation is the first comprehensive attempt to curb the nation's industrial pollution and the greenhouse gas emissions that are blamed for global warming through the implementation of a new carbon cap and trade system, along with funding and incentives for clean energy sources, improved energy efficiency, and a new green or at least greener infrastructure. The House bill calls for the government to implement a cap-and-trade system, capping the nation's emissions from industrial sources and issuing carbon allowances that can be sold and traded among polluters. Some environmental groups and even a few Democratic lawmakers oppose the bill in its final form for being too weak. They hope it will be strengthened in the Senate, though given the current makeup of that body, strengthening it seems unlikely at this hour. Sorry, guys. Most environmental groups, however, supported the bill, citing the urgent need to establish a starting framework for transitioning the nation to a clean energy economy. Lobbying from energy and pollution-intensive industries affected by the legislation reached a fevered pitch over the last few months, with millions of dollars spent fighting reform since January alone. Last week's floor fight heard critics argue the legislation would be too costly during the nation's deepest recession in 70 years, and that any action would be useless without commitments from developing nations like China and India. Republicans blasted it as too expensive and unnecessary. Here's House Minority Whip Eric Cantor on the floor last week. The legislation before us will force America's middle-class families to pay as much as $3,100 in higher prices every year. But that number, as the Green News Report has been pointing out for weeks, is based on distorted calculations from an MIT study. The lead researcher of that study has repeatedly and publicly asked Republican lawmakers to stop distorting his findings. But, um, they didn't. Surprised? On the contrary, the nonpartisan Congressional Budget Office released a study last week calculating that the legislation would cost an average of $175 per year across all households by 2020, far less than the $3,100 Republicans insisted on citing. 
Republicans also argued that the legislation would result in American jobs moving overseas. Here's Eric Cantor again. Can we be so naive to assume our businesses, jobs, and emissions won't emigrate to China and India? Suddenly, Republicans were concerned about companies moving jobs and operations overseas. Go figure. Nice change of pace for you, boys. But Democratic lawmakers countered that developing nations would make no changes without leadership first from the U.S., In an impassioned speech, House Majority Whip Steny Hoyer argued the cost of allowing foreign potentates to add their own taxes to Americans at any whim was already far too high, and the Waxman-Markey bill represents an overdue historic step in the right direction. Some would like to do more. Some would like to do less. But we have reached a compromise. That is the legislative process, and it is a compromise that can pass this House and pass that Senate, be signed by the President, and become law and make progress. Progress will be far less expensive than failure. The legislation now goes to the U.S. Senate, where Democrats are working on their own version and have already made controversial concessions to the oil and gas industry. Senate Republicans have already vowed to block the bill. The president has asked Democrats in Congress to have a final bill ready for him to sign before December, when the world's nations will be meeting to finalize a new global climate treaty. Good luck to us all. Finally, a quick correction. In referring to the League of Conservation Voters in a report last week, we described them as a conservative group. In fact, the League is a conservation group dedicated to the protection of the environment. We regret the error. I blame Desi. For more on the passage of last week's bill and much more we didn't have time for today, as always, check out our website, greennews.bradblog.com. For Desi Doyen, I'm Brad Friedman, and this has been your special edition Green News Report.